I'm Arya Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Game four of the WNBA semifinals is in the books. The Sky have punched their ticket to the finals, but the Las Vegas Aces said not so fast to the Phoenix Mercury and forced a game five. We are joined today with legendary voice and name in basketball, Debbie Antonelli, to discuss both semifinal series. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over on windsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work do you want to sponsor an episode of the windsider show email us info at windsider.com I know I speak for Rachel and myself when I say how honored we are to have such a legend as our guest today, an elite basketball mind and one of the best voices in basketball today. You know her from her great coverage over on ESPN and all over the college landscape. But now, the great Debbie Antonelli is here to break down the WNBA semifinals like only she can. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. How are you doing this fine morning? Hey guys, great. Uh, what a night last night in the WNBA. I mean, how could you not wake up with a smile on your face? It's just so exciting. The quality of play has been so good. It's it's great for the league and great for the game. You know, I want to ask before we dive into this, Debbie, you know, we I have a lot of questions about the games we saw last night. I know for me specifically, I did not get a whole lot of sleep. It's 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 hard after these 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 playoff games, man. They're so intense, but you know, we were talking before the show, you made some picks. Go ahead and tell everybody, you know, you're on a hot streak right now. Who did you have winning last night? <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll talk predictions later on, but but why did you have those picks last night? Well, first, let me premise it with this. At the very beginning of the season, I picked Chicago to win the whole thing. And uh, wow. I'm not, I don't know how many people did pick Chicago, but um, I've, you know, I've been around the league a long time. I know the personalities of the players, and I knew the move with Candace Parker fitted uh, fit the, the void and the need that Chicago was lacking. Um, and so I, I really thought that I have a lot of faith in uh, Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot. They've been around a long time, and they know how to play. And so uh, last night I took Chicago plus four. I thought that was a, a good pick. If I was laying money on the game, that was my pick. And then I also took – Las Vegas uh, in a pick because I just believed that their guard play was not going to shoot the ball that poorly. Uh, and I did expect Phoenix to play well. I just thought uh, Las Vegas would play better. Well, I, I actually am very curious as a more veteran uh, analyst person who, who makes these picks. When you pick Chicago early on in the season, do you then feel pressured by yourself like today in the playoffs to then pick them to move on again? Or do you kind of try and push that out and focus on the here and now? No, I don't feel any pressure at all because I'm playing the money line and I'm looking at the spreads. So I'm taking Chicago based on the plus four. That's what I was looking at. I took Chicago. Uh, the first game I had Chicago. The second game I had Connecticut. The third game I didn't pick because we didn't do a show, but then I had Chicago. So this whole this particular side of the bracket, I, I have 
watched Chicago and I've watched Connecticut and you guys know, I see the game through an offensive lens. Sure. I just know as good as Connecticut's defense is their backcourt isn't as uh, efficient as Chicago's in scoring. Sure. And I thought every time Chicago moves the ball one more time, they get Connecticut in one more rotation, one more closeout, and they're capable of, of scoring from all five positions and they're very unselfish. So that was pretty much the premise under which I, I, I based my decision-making, but I did play the lines, not necessarily just thinking that Chicago was going to win. Yeah. Well, and that, that, that brings up an interesting point. You talked about the Chicago sky, the moves that they made this off season. I mean, we all know it's been a, <laughs> a back and forth year with the sky and, and so much of it does come down to like peaking at the right time. Um, in, in your opinion, before we dive into this specific series, you know, the Connecticut Sun did, didn't look like themselves. We can talk about why for a bunch of reasons in this series. Um, you know, you throw Alyssa Thomas into the mix, which which no one expected her to even be back at this phase. Um, with the Chicago Sky, you had a sense that this team's peaking at the right time. And this is a team that, that's got to win a championship now. Um, that there's I think there's a huge argument for that. Um, both teams, though, you know, veteran and experienced and have been in this situation, more so Connecticut than Chicago as of late. As of late. Um, in your opinion, you know, did the impact of Alyssa Thomas coming in, you know, right, right at playoffs, kind of switch up the chemistry of this team or even the dynamic that they had going? Well, from a chemistry standpoint, I, I don't know if I could answer that because I don't know what goes on in the locker room on that team. However, we do know how good they are defensively. What Alyssa Thomas's skill set is, is rebounding and pushing up the floor and getting them into their transition game. Uh, that means that maybe JJ's not rebounding as much and, and having the ball in her hands early in the offense like she was. That was probably, from a, a tactical standpoint, the, the biggest difference that I saw in the game. And, you know, I mean, you can't have end of the game, um, late possessions, shot clock violations with the wrong people with the ball in their hands. Right. Uh, they have that a lot. Like, you know, I talked a long time ago about who was the closer for Connecticut. Like, we know who the closer is in Chicago. Yep. We know who the closer is in Vegas. We know who the closer can be in Phoenix. They've got a couple of options. But in Connecticut, we really never knew who that was. I never thought John Quell had that kind of role. And, and it might not have been that it would have served personality that she didn't want it, or if it was just the way the scheming happened or who had the ball late, where the shot clock was, where John Quell was. There's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, but, you know, adding uh, AT to the mix only made them better. Uh, it might have changed some dynamic or some chemistry, but from a tactical standpoint, her ability to rebound and push the ball up the floor in transition, which is probably one of her best skills, uh, actually uh, might not have put the ball in, um, in, you know, from a rhythm standpoint, might have changed their rhythm on the offensive end and their rhythm and their cadence with how they run their sets. So, you know, there, you, you know, you can't really... I don't know. I'm not really saying I, I know what their dynamics are, what the chemistry was, but that was one tactical thing that was a big difference in the way they played. Sure. I I often look at the offensive versus defensive chess game in a series kind of like a, a dance. And with Brian January being ruled out for this last game, I think a lot of us kind of saw the writing on the wall, but I'm curious if you could kind of talk to us about how you think that affected the Suns' ability to kind of disrupt the sky because we all know how good January is defensively, but also the importance. I mean, 
backcourt wise, I would be more reliant on January to hit some shots than I would necessarily for Jazz Thomas, the way she's been playing historically in the playoffs and all that. I'm just curious on both ends of the ball, I guess, the January effect. Well, Breon January is one of the best on-ball defenders. She's a very physical on-ball, one-on-one. It's hard to beat her with a first step off the bounce. So not having her definitely um, changes some of their defensive ball pressure. However, you know, Heidemann is a really good shooter. I think she's a very good offensive player. So, you know, I never felt like Connecticut disrupted Chicago at all. Mm-hmm. I think I see the game through an offensive lens. I see um, the extra pass, the spacing on the floor, the middle pick and roll, the Courtney Vandersloot, you know, with a ball in her hands and the way she plays uh, for them to set them all up. She serves the game to make her teammates better. And uh, I love that about her, her skill set. So, you know, you can be physical with her. You've got to have a, a mindset to welcome ball pressure and physicality and welcome players playing up the line one pass away. If you have that attitude and that mentality, you can take advantage of it. And Chicago is perfectly matched with their offense to be able to do that. So, you know, I mean, you guys know if you ever interview me or talk to me or whatever, you see me on the street, you know, I'm all always shooting it. I'm always talking about offense and that's the way I see the game. So um, that's one person's opinion, but I'm always going to pick offense over defense, especially when you have the quality of players that Chicago has on the offensive side. Well, so far, like throughout this whole season, Connecticut was that team that I don't care what offense it was. It almost felt like they, they frustrated you to no end eliminating what you like to do. What, whatever team they were playing, they frustrated you in like your, your bread and butter, but they were not able to do this really at any point during the series for a prolonged period of time. We know offensively the Suns struggled, but I'm curious, like Rachel and I always talk about this and it's hilarious because going into the series, we talked about this and Rachel said defense beats, you know, a great defense beats a great offense. We saw this matchup. I might need to change my tone. (laughs) But, but Debbie, like, so that's definitely not me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. Real real quick, Aria. It's interesting. Yeah, no, go for it. I've really felt that my big thing with Connecticut was their defense was going to give them a chance to be in the position that they're in. And they were so steady and consistent. And it did. You know, they had a 14-game winning streak. They finished at the top of the league. My big question mark with them is did they have the offensive firepower and the depth to sustain in a series? And and I've said that. I've said that to you, Aria. So maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better right now, I guess. <laughs> no, well, I get it, Aria. But here, here's to answer your question, I think, before you ask it, I think I know where yeah. you're going. Uh, there you go. You know, the <laughs> Connecticut defense – is great at taking away your first option and your second option. Okay. They're, they're going to give, they're going to make you score against their quarter court defense. They're not going to give you transition buckets. They're not going to give you easy buckets. They're really good on the glass, but Chicago has depth and options into their second, third and fourth um, options in one set. That's how good they are on the offensive end. So, uh, you can take away somebody's first option. You can make it more difficult, but Connecticut was mat. It's a matchup too. You know, it's a matchup issue. You know, do, does all the other teams in the league have the kind of offensive firepower? Las Vegas does. They they can go deep into their sets, into their second, third, fourth options. So um, that that's why 
I felt Chicago was going to win. I thought they were going to move the ball. They were playing at home. And I felt for sure the confetti was going to fall last night. Well, I mean, and and we have to remember, these two teams did not match up in the regular season at full strength, right? Like J.J. would they – Chicago never played against John Quill Jones. Kurt Miller did not coach in two of those games. The Chicago Sky were were dealing with injuries and a lot of inconsistencies through the regular season. So it is – it was interesting to see – how this series played out. And I, I had, I, I, I thought it was going to go to five. Um, selfishly, I, I wanted it to, because I just love these two teams. I love the way they match up. And um, I, I just, the basketball fan in me would have loved to have just more, uh, but let's talk sky. I mean, I, as a, as a Chicago native an Illinois native, um, you know, the, 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 the hometown team for me, I, I'm super excited. And, <clears throat> you know, you have to start in my opinion, We'll get to Kalia Copper, and she's been incredible for the Sky so far this season. I think she she deserves a great discussion. But how about the play of Candace Parker, the addition to Candace Parker to this team, bringing a chance to win a championship to Chicago uh, for like 23 years or whatever that might be? Um, she's been so steady and consistent, and just that, just that that absolute um, rock for Chicago this series. What did you see out of her? <laughs> Parker can flat out play. Uh, she is not considered a goat in our league, and she should be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand why she doesn't get the prop and praise she deserves. Sometimes, sure. uh, I, I think she's fantastic. Uh, I have. Here's my little story about Candace. Yes. When Pat recruited her, and I knew she was coming to Tennessee, um, I went to the first college basketball game that Candace played in. They played Stetson in Knoxville. On my own, I went to the game because Pat was my friend. Pat kept saying, you're not going to believe this Candace Parker kid. I had seen some video of her. I'd not really seen her live. And I said, okay. She said, she's <laughs> going to be one of the greatest of all time. Wow. And I went. So I went with Pat to the game. Obviously, she was coaching the game. I sat on the press row. I watched Candace Parker because I wanted to be there at the very beginning of her career so that I could say, I saw her win. I knew this was going to happen. And so did Pat. And no one has ever really asked me that. I did that on my own because I wanted to, I loved the game. I knew she was going to be an impact on our game. I knew she was going to tilt and change the game and look what she's done. Um, she is incredible, incredibly skilled. She works incredibly hard. She's a great teammate. And she has already cemented herself in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Sure. Whenever she retires, she'll be a first ticket um, Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And uh, all she does is win. She's a winner. When you look at everything that she's done, Candace Parker is a winner. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised. That's part of the reason why at the beginning of the year, I picked Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, this team took a while to figure it out. 16 and 16. It was disappointing. We all... Anyone who's followed this team, especially with the addition of Candace Parker, and if you've followed her career as you're talking to, knew that this Sky team has so much, so much potential, like to, to truly be in contender. And, and in my opinion, you know, it you didn't want to say, oh, this is a disappointing season because the playoffs are a whole other season in itself. And, and look what they're doing. They're peaking at the right time. I was talking with Kalia Copper. She said, you know, we are playing. Um, um, we, we have not peaked yet but we are playing our best basketball of the season at the right time. And I just, I think that's completely evident. You know, this was everything we expected Chicago to do, um, especially offensively. 
um, and, 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 and with the addition of Parker and what she brings to this team and how she lifts her teammates up. And one of those being Kalia Copper in particular, who has in, in the midst of such a up and down season, regular season, and, and even a playoff, you know, Copper has been, you know, she finished, she finished with 18 last night. I mean, it's becoming just kind of a, a normal night for Copper, you know, at this point to, to put up massive numbers and be one of those first two offensive threats. I'm really impressed with Copper's play, her first step, how quick she is, her ability to elevate. I think she's a matchup nightmare for opponents. Thoughts on Copper? Well, first of all, Kalia Copper and Diamond DeShields, I'd put them both in this category. Category, They're both excellent two-way wings. Okay, You, you have to have that kind of length at the three spot in this league. And, and they, that's why Candace's um, ability to do what she can do matters so much and has helped Kalia Copper and Diamond DeShields. And let me give out a little shout-out to Diamond because Diamond has played her role very well off the bench. Uh, she comes in and she crashes the glass and she plays D, and when she's open, she makes shots, and she can put it on the deck. Kalia Copper can do all that. She's just doing it at a very high level. Sure. Um, a couple of things that come to my mind when I think about Copper is uh, that she is a two-way wing because she can defend. She's long and athletic. She can do so many things offensively. She is such a rising star in this league. And the other is, uh, while you're talking about all the, the options that Chicago has, Balance and rhythm are two thing, two words that kind of intertwine, right? You have to have balance, but you also have to have a rhythm to what you're doing. And Chicago has always had balance. They always haven't had the rhythm. Now they've got the rhythm. They're playing their best basketball, and they're going to be really tough to stop on the other side of the bracket. So a player that I don't think gets enough attention and I think really has thrived under the tutelage of Candace Parker is Azrae Stevens. Um, I was a champion of the Azrae Stevens hype train when she came into this league and have been just more and more excited to see her play, not just because what we saw last year before the injury in the bubble, but also with the idea of having the mentorship of Candace Parker there. I'm not going to make a comparison of Azrae to Candace Parker, because as you pointed out, Debbie, like Candace is on that goat discussion level and Sometimes I think it's a disservice to make those comparisons to players, but a lot of similar skill sets of, you know, bodybuild, whatever you want to talk about. But Ezra Stevens in this series was so impactful. And I remember going into it thinking, you know, defensively, she's going to have some really tough assignments, but it's also going to be a question of what she can do offensively. I think she really stepped up in this game with 11 points, seven rebounds, a couple assists, a couple steals, and not too many turnovers. Talk to me briefly about Ezra Stevens and what not only she means to the Chicago team on this run, but just her as an evolution of a player. Well, Azure went to my high school, so I have been watching Azure for a long time. I wondered if she was tough enough. Last night when she took that shot in the face mm-hmm. and left, years ago she might not have come back. Wow. She came back because she has shown that she was tough enough on the glass. She held her own inside. I thought she did a terrific job defensively. I, I always look at the rebounding when I look at Azure's numbers first to see if she was tough enough on the offensive boards. Did she get to the glass? And she did a remarkable job. Even in the Minnesota game, I thought she was remarkable on the boards. I've been tracking her offensive rebounding through the playoffs, and that's what Chicago needs. Yes, we, she's being influenced by Candace Parker. The whole team is. 
But I think we're going to see a new Azare Stevens moving forward next year. She knows what it takes. She knows that she's got to continue to get physically stronger mm-hmm. and uh, keep working on her handle and her range. And otherwise, she's got it because she's got great timing as a shot blocker. Uh, she proved that she can play in ball screen defense, even in a switching ball screen if she had to guard a, a smaller player. Uh, I think this series is going to be the the difference, like the switch came on and now she sees what she can become. I love that. I love that. And, and, and again, you know, just showing herself what she can do and that confidence, you know, and it, it's just going to continue to carry forward. You know, before we move on to the other game, our other matchup, game five, it's coming up on, on Friday. I want to I, I, I want to make one more note about Allie Quigley. I'm a huge Allie Quigley person. You know, know known her for my whole life. Played against her in high school. Think she's phenomenal. I, I think it's fascinating. You know, this this team has stepped up offensively in so many ways. Whereas before, um, it felt like <clears throat> at moments we all know Allie Quigley can go off for twenty. We know she's one of the best shooters in the league. Um, but I felt like you know <clears throat> there was less on her shoulders. You know, this series from an offensive standpoint. You know, we we've seen the sky before where it felt like there was maybe two options, two or three options. And a lot of that fell on Allie's back. Allie finished, you know, just one for six last night for six points, not a great night, but she didn't need to. Um, so shout out to Allie Quigley, just so excited for her and her career and a shot. Um, it, it, it really winning a WNBA championship, but before we move on, we've got to mention Courtney Vandersloot and just the overall play of Vandersloot, the triple double that she got and how, how rare that is. I don't think that was talked about enough. Um, you know, and, and I just final thoughts on Sloot. And, and I think, you know, we don't get point guards. Um, you don't get to witness greatness every day, you know, and, and we there's been some phenomenal point guards that have come through the league. And, and we could have a whole podcast talking about that in particular. But Courtney Vandersloot is playing the best basketball of her career and and has been in this moment before. She took a team to the semis in 2014, <clears throat> which I think um, a lot of people don't really talk about. And that was early in her career. What do you think about Vandersloot and just in particular the series and the way she's leading this team right now? Well, I think a couple things. You know, I've been around so long. I've covered every player in college except for the international players. So, you know, I've been – when the ABL was formed, I was the national analyst there and then right over into the WNBA. And I have covered the league since its inception. And, you know, I, I, when I think Allie Quigley, I think work ethic mm-hmm. and dream and believe that you can do it. I mean, you think about, we all know how well documented her struggle was to get in the league. Pokey Chapman deserves a shout out here for taking her and sure. believing in her and giving her a chance uh, in Chicago. I, I think the the blue collar mentality of a Chicago fan base and a Chicago built team definitely plays through Allie and, and Courtney. You can see it and how much they want to win what great teammates they are, how prepared they are, how smart they are on the floor. Uh, That's a tough combination. It's the longest standing backcourt in the WNBA, I believe. I don't think anybody's been together in the backcourt longer than them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it does get talked about enough. Uh, But I'm obviously, I believed at the beginning of the season and um, you know, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you find a nut, you know, um, I guess, (laughs) you know, that's what I would say. You know, you, you just, you know, some of this is lucky, right? We're going to pick, sure. I mean, a lot of people pick Las Vegas and, and Vegas has a chance, you know, they've got to beat Phoenix one more game, but um, it's just fun to have these kind of conversations at this depth and, and great length about the league and, and how well it's doing and the product. I always like to lead with the product. Mm-hmm. You know, the product isn't any good. You can't do anything else. And the product's really good. 
Yeah. And, and to talk about that luck, I mean, a few playoffs ago, uh, not too far down the memory banks, we saw a late Chicago turnover that ended up costing them their deep playoff run. And we saw karma kind of gift that back to them, if it, as it were, with that January botched layup. Let's move on to the next series, a series that has gone to five now, um, has had three games that were just blowouts. <laughs> and sitting here, I'm not going to lie, I, w- I picked the Aces to lose in four. I picked the Mercury because I felt Brittany Griner was just playing that next level game that nobody could stop her. Well, last night, her shot wasn't dropping. Um, initial reactions and thoughts and kind of let's let's dive into it. Let's talk about what the Aces were able to shift game plan wise to really be effective against this Mercury team that was rolling honestly and looked like they had already punched their ticket. Maybe that was part of the problem. What do you think, Debbie? Well, with Phoenix, first of all, the the big three are outstanding, right? I mean, when you start talking about Brittany, Diana, and Skylar, they are amazing, all right? They deliver every night. I love watching them play. I love to see what Diana's going to do next. You know, how is she going to get open? Watch her off the ball. She's got all the old school tricks, man. She's just so good, all right? I mean, She's the Michael Jordan grab the back of the leg and pull up jump shot kind of player, right? I mean, that's what she is. And I I don't discredit or disparage any of it because she can do it. She's so good when she gets her feet under her shoulders. It's fun to watch. I'm a fan and I'm in the camp that Diane and Sue are both going to play one more year, Uh, but we'll see. Um, So, so, uh, and Brittany, what we talked about with Azare, I think, applies to Brittany. I think this is by far, it's very well documented. It's the best year she's ever had. She looks confident. She looks like she is not trying to prove anything. She goes out there. Her, her skill set around the bucket is so much better. You can't stop her. She's too big and too talented. And uh, Skylar just does her thing. I mean, Skylar is, uh, you know, a competitor. You want to talk about compete. I mean, she might have the best stare, the most competitive look in the entire league. Uh, I'm not sure I've seen anybody that looks more fierce than Skyler to come along with her skill set. I thought, you know, that those three would be great, but they didn't have enough depth or balance outside of those big three to be able to carry the team. And uh, I was wrong. You know, um, last night, obviously not having Sophie um, and Shea Petty did play well in the first half. Um, But you look at Las Vegas. They are built to win. They have everything you need. If you ask if you would dial up what you want in a team, especially on the offensive end, they have it. I am all in on the Asia Wilson train. I think she is their best player. That's it. That's what you need to know about Las Vegas. Now, sometimes I wish the rest of the team knew that. She is their best player. She is their feature. She is in the shoot. You can't stop her in the pinch. She is too good with the ball in her hands. She, her footwork last night, her moves, how hard she's worked. She couldn't do any of that in college. She wasn't doing that in college. She couldn't go right in college, not very well. You know, she just really worked and has made herself an all-star and an MVP. And I thought she was, in, you know, definitely in the running for MVP based on how the Aces finished the season. Um, so let me say that. Now, the guards are fantastic. De- there's depth. There's um, size. There's the ability to invert to the block. Uh, Chelsea Gray is an outstanding passer. Um, and, and I think, you know, 
as long as they keep their spacing on the floor. I personally am not a fan of Cam Beige and Wilson playing together. I, I don't like it. I didn't like it. That's why they were so good last year, I thought. I, I mean, I'm not slamming Liz Cambage. I was disappointed that she had COVID in the middle of the season and had to take a break. Um, but um, I, I think Asia Wilson is their best player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you mentioned, you know, Phoenix. And, and Arya, you know, I, I thought it was really bold of you <laughs> to, uh, to, to pick Phoenix to win <laughs> this series. And you know what? You – I, I, Phoenix has outperformed what I expected. Now, you know, we talked, we talked yesterday, you know, if it, it's, it's championship or bust for some of these teams, I don't see that with Phoenix because I, I personally did not even see them in this situation. Um, you know, Sandy Brondello finds a way and you have three Olympians on the team, but I, I've always questioned their depth. That was my biggest thing. And, you know, just, just through the course of these playoffs, how many games they've played and the, t- the wear and tear that's taken on them. Um, they've exceeded my expectation in that. You know, it, it, Sophie Cunningham goes off, Diana Tarazi goes off, Brittany Griner's been fairly consistent, struggled a little bit last night, but that depth, when Kia Nurse went down with 30 seconds into the game, I think that was a massive blow from a depth perspective of a team that already, you know, you, you have very little margin of error in terms of the pieces you have around that big three. And, and with Las Vegas, I mean, like – Good morning. Nice to see you. You know, that, that's kind of how I feel. And I, I felt like their backs were against the wall, um, obviously, very much so. Um, and and I, I, I did have them winning that game last night because this team is too talented to just get steamrolled in the semis. And, and I felt like at any point they are going to wake up. They are going to run the ball through Wilson. I think she, I think she should have had, you know, more touches than what she did. Now, now you know, obviously they were able to rest some people down the stretch. But I agree with you, Debbie, you know, like, like Asia Wilson and the Cambage dynamic. Again, we, we've talked about that a lot of times. I think in a, in a series against Griner, obviously Cambage and, and, and Griner against one another is a great neutralization aspect that you can analyze. But Asia Wilson, being able to play through her is such a key. And I, I, I just I have to wonder, you know, at this point, Phoenix going to Las Vegas, and, and that's an incredible environment there. What they have done in Vegas yes. is incredible. And Debbie, Matt, I know you can go on that, and I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's, I just think, I think Phoenix is in trouble. I truly do. Yeah. I, I think uh, Vegas is really good and I think they're going to win at home. Um, I'm not sure what the spread is, but I'm, I'm, you know, taking a look at the number, when the numbers come out, I'm sure I'm going to pick Vegas and they have been the favorite in this entire series. Uh, Phoenix has never been the favorite in any of the games. So um, I'm, I'm interested in what the line will be on that game. Yes. Uh, we could do an entire podcast or a whole day on why I have felt so strongly about Vegas as a market for women's basketball. I remember telling Lisa Borders that if I had the chance to expand and change um, and move a franchise, Vegas was the place. And I've been saying it forever. So, you know, those are the kind of things that if I don't bring it back forward, then no one's going to remember that. Oh, yeah, Antonelli in Vegas. You know, like I, I I'm just... I just knew Vegas was a spot before anyone else seemed to know it 13 years ago when I started talking about the Sweet 16 to Vegas on the women's college side, uh, which I'm not going to do that right now. But uh, I'm, that's for another time. But uh, I'm I'm all in on Vegas. I think they're terrific. Their environment is great. I know Mark Davis has given that franchise a lift as an owner, and that market is outstanding for sports. Uh, so uh, I'm excited for that matchup on Friday. I think that'll be another great game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, 
you know, what will happen? Should it be Chicago and Las Vegas? And, and look forward to maybe talking to you about that when that comes around. Yeah. And, and I want to kind of echo everything y'all have said. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. It's kind of mind blowing knowing this Vegas team that they shot 11 of 22 from three point range, beating them. Like if you would have told me the aces are going to make more three pointers than the Mercury going into this game, I think it's pretty obvious who we would expect to win this game. But I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, you know, we've been talking about guard play, but to get 42 points from Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum, Kelsey coming off the bench, it was just super impressive. And I think that really opened it up. And the way Chelsea Gray was playing, I mean, it, I heard the announcer say it last night. I saw it all over Twitter. This is why Chelsea Gray is on the aces. This is why they brought her there. Big shot Chelsea, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when I think of Chelsea Gray, besides the highlight reel passes behind the back, the no looks, the crazy plays, all I think about is big time shots in the playoffs. And that's what the Aces needed in a guard in this series. And honestly, in this game, she took over at times. Yes, Asia Wilson, I completely agree with you. Best player on their team. The ball needs to go through her. She is just one of those players. But to be side by side with Chelsea Gray and have that one two punch was just deadly. I mean, the Aces just, they looked so focused. I don't know if either of you saw. I think it was like the halftime interview or maybe it was like at one of the ends of the quarters. Somebody was interviewing Asia Wilson and the focus on her face. When Asia Wilson has that face, you know, know she's going at worst seven of 13 for 15 points and 12, right? Like, you know, she's going to have a plus 27. She was just unstoppable last night. And for me, I, I think game five is going to be a lot closer than we've seen. And on the Mercury side, I, I agree with everything you're saying, Rachel. Like when you haven't really been playing Alana Smith or Megan Walker that much into the series for obvious reasons of Sophie Cunningham playing really well, Kia Nurse playing really well, and now both those players go down, it leads a lot of questions of, okay, can somebody step up? Can Shea Petty? Yeah, she went two for two uh, from three-point range in that game last night, but I think we're going to need some stuff from Bree Hartley. Like, if this team is going to find a way to win, unless Kia Nurse or Sophie Cunningham comes back, I think it's, you know, to what it what was the Diana Taurasi quote? Yeah, the big three are going to show up, but it's about those other seven and eight uh, players. How are they going to play that are truly going to move forward? So, Debbie, I want to make you kind of play devil's advocate against yourself. How can the Mercury pull off a victory in game five and we have a repeat of the 2014 WNBA finals? Well, they have to, you know, Brittany Grinder's going to have to stay consistent and keep doing her thing and be a threat, try to get Asia Wilson or a Cambage in foul trouble to eliminate one of them. That would be one thing I would say is try to feed her early. Um, Diana is going to have to have another big night. Skyler's not going to have, can't turn the ball over, you know, got to score. And then the others are going to be open. So they're going to have to make some shots, right? They're going to have to make some playoff game-changing shots. And you're right about, you know, not having been there before. Um, you know, Kia Nurse hurts them on the defensive end because that means that Diana's got to guard one of those guards that can go off the bounce. That's not a good matchup. Um, and that means, uh, you know, Sophie, that's one less player, you know, that can make a shot. Um, certainly she proved already that when the game on the line, she can make threes. So that, that would have been a really confident player. Hopefully she'll be able to come back. Um, but that's, that's the recipe there. You got to stay on the glass with, with Vegas. You got to control the boards. You got to dominate the paint. 
got to try to get them in a little bit of foul trouble. You have to shoot more free throws than Las Vegas shoots on the road. And uh, you got to take care of the ball. You can't give them extra possessions or that big play moment where they get that big run out and Chelsea Gray makes that behind the back pass. You know, that's, that's like a dunk uh, on the men's side. You know, if, if Brittany throws it down, that would, that would certainly give her team some confidence, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for them to control the tempo and try to keep the game close, get it to the fourth qu- quarter where it's a one or two possession game and then have this chance to win. Love it. You heard it right here. Those are the keys for the X factor out there listening that our expert analyst, one of the greatest in the game just told you about what it's going to take. And, and, and that game is going to be Friday night, 9 PM Eastern time game five last, I'm sorry, Phoenix Mercury at the Las Vegas aces on ESPN two, you know, we will all be there before we wrap up, Debbie, I want to bring up, you know, there was some conversation last night about uh, the finals and when those would start and had this had both series ended last night, it would have, I'm and I, I didn't believe it, but they said that the finals would have actually started Friday. Well, now Las Vegas pushed that back, and you have, you know, obviously Game Five on Friday. The, the finals are, I believe, scheduled to begin on Sunday. I'm 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 blown away by that, and and I understand. You know, basketball has started in Europe. Clubs are expecting teams to get there. I mean, but 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 between the travel issues for Chicago and, and be getting to wherever they're going. If they're going to Phoenix, if they're going to Las Vegas, that that's a quick turnaround, especially if they're playing on Friday in a finals game. I just want your final thoughts on that, that one day turnaround from a se- the end of a semifinals wrapping up and the finals beginning. Well, here's my take on it. And a lot of people aren't going to like it, but here's how I feel. Um, you have to put the game in the best possible TV windows. Sure. Sunday for ESPN is a really tough window against the NFL. Um, but you have to position the game where in a very crowded TV market in October, this is probably one of the toughest months to program any sports. Absolutely. Think about how much stuff is going on right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, just to throw a little sidebar, and that's why I'm, I love the playoff format the way it is. We have, I love the Yankees and the Red Sox playing one game in a wild card or the Cardinals and the Dodgers playing one game in to, to advance to the playoffs. Um, I like it in the WNBA because of the drama, because of the TV windows. We don't need to draw it out. Uh, I think we're going to see really, really good basketball. I think these players are professionals. Mm -hmm. They will manage the travel. No one wants to hear them talking about the travel. (laughs) <laughs> just do it. You have, you're paid a lot of money to do it. You're, you're paid a lot of money for four or five months of playing. So, you know, I, I don't like to hear, I don't, I, I travel every day. I don't complain on the air about traveling, about being tired. Um, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my little sidebar is, and that might be my motherly instinct telling my <laughs> kids to quit, just be quiet, stop complaining about it. Well, and it brings up interesting points about the television schedule and how much that does play an impact. It's huge on this. And, and again, we, 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 we hear every year, especially when it gets to playoffs, the talk of the travel, I, I understand everyone's argument, but, but it, your perspective from, from, from the 
the television aspect is so massive in this. And Richard Cohen, shout out to Richard Cohen, brought up a great point about, again, that the international ball overseas. And, and we're going to have a lot of discussion in this offseason and potentially some changes coming with the playoff format, whether it goes one, three, five, five, one, one, you know, one, one, five, five. Um, that's that's for another day. But just just wanted your initial thoughts on on just that and, and how quick that turnaround time is. I, I think it was very fascinating and, and just worth some some discussion on that. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. We would love to have you back for the finals if you're up for it. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm so proud of the quality of play. I love seeing how the game has evolved. I love seeing how many people are interested in following it. And we just got to keep it going and try to get the best TV windows that are available to put highlight the game at the highest level. I know the quality of play is going to be great on Friday, and I know it'll be great moving into the championship, and I would love to come back. And and before we log off for the day, I'll just add to everything you're saying. The teams that have had to travel the most are the teams, you know, that are are looking the the lower seeded teams are almost making it to the finals. I mean, Chicago made it to the finals, so maybe just maybe having a little bit more rest might be a little bit of uh, an undoing that people don't expect as much. So interesting aspects all around with every aspect uh, of these WNBA playoffs this year. Thank you so much, Debbie, for taking the time to join us. And we hope to have you on again soon. You guys are great. Thanks for including me. I love being on and I look forward to the next time.